Good morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, welcome today to Central United Methodist Church for this time of worship. It's wonderful to see each and every one of you here today, whether you are worshiping in person with us here in the sanctuary or uh, worshiping with us this morning by audio live stream. Thank you for making Central a part of your day today. I'm Thomas Smith, senior pastor here at Central. And it is our mission to follow Jesus by loving God and loving our neighbors. And worship is part of that. So thank you for being here. Uh, On the way in this morning, you may have noticed some things. Hopefully you got a bulletin. If you uh, did not receive a bulletin, I know you're going to want to get one. And I encourage you to read the bulletin. There are a wealth of ways that you can connect with God through Central that are listed there. And if you are uh, so inclined, you can visit us online at centralmethodist.net where you will find an online version of our bulletin. And you can, uh, you can find ways there as well to connect with God through Central. Also, on the way in, you may have noticed a stack of Bibles. If you don't have a Bible and you'd like one or you know someone who needs a Bible, please take one. That's what they are there for. Some announcements I would lift up to you this morning. Um, we have a special program, um, a Wednesday night program planned for November 9th. Quilts of, Quilts of Valor program where we'll be recognizing some of the veterans in our church and community and uh, that will be following our normal as normal Wednesday night meal which uh, will be is always a, a moving program to be a part of. Also our next blood drive will be the very next day, November 10th and you can sign up now. There are sign up sheets in the commons uh, where you can sign up for a time to give blood. You can also sign up online with the Red Cross or by calling the church office. Also a reminder that today at 2 o'clock here in the sanctuary is our annual charge conference meeting. Um, Somebody asked me about charge conference. I said it feels like about six weeks of work for a short meeting but uh, on this end, but it's an important meeting. It's the annual um, business meeting of a local United Methodist Church, but it also has a strong spiritual component. So if you are a member of church council, you are a member of the charge conference, and I encourage you to come be part, whether you're on charge church council or not, just to see um, what's going on in the life of the church. It will be presided uh, by our district superintendent, Reverend Terry Fleming, who will be with us today. But again, that's today at 2. Also, uh, Reverend Meg Junis is leading a love and marriage study, and she has had, we've had good response to that, but it's not too late to sign up. There are details about that in your bulletin about how to do so. But please, um, we encourage you to sign up for that love and marriage study today. We need both spouses to sign up, and we need both email addresses uh, entered so you can get the uh, stuff that you need to do in advance. Also, a programming note, the children ha- had planned to meet on the playground today during the Sunday school hour for a little uh, fun pumpkin activity, but given the weather, they will instead meet in their Sunday school rooms. And I also want to offer a word of celebration for our fall stewardship campaign. Um, I I hesitate to to give a number because it keeps changing, but we've received at least 190 estimate of giving cards. And um, if you haven't completed one or, or done your pledge online, you can still do that. There, there's some of these cards that are back on the usher tables. Please feel free to take one. You can drop it in the offering plate. You can bring it by the church office. You can always uh, make an estimate of giving through ground. Well, friends, 
we thank you for that response. And as we gather now for this time of worship, let's be open to the power and presence of God with us as we worship God in spirit and in truth.
The righteousness of God is everlasting. God's decrees are righteous forever. And now while we are standing, let us say together what we believe. We'll use the Apostles' Creed found in Selection 881 in your hymnal. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, 
was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. And I invite you to pray with me our colic and our Lord's Prayer. You'll find it in your order of worship this morning. O God of infinite hospitality, who finds us wherever we may be and invites us to your table, look with favor on those who come seeking the richness of your truth that we may amend our ways and conform ourselves to your blessed will and therein find life eternal. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God in glory everlasting, we now pray as your Son taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And I get to welcome you to worship this morning. We're so glad to have you here, whether you're here in the sanctuary or visiting over the internet. We are grateful you're part of this worship today. I want to invite you, if you're here, to find those pew pads at the end of the pews. And if you will, sign your name in them and pass them down and take the opportunity to greet your neighbor. And so we'll get to know each other's names. Um, Invite your neighbor to Sunday school if you're heading there afterwards. That's a great way to include people. And um, also, I want to make sure you know that you're invited to participate in any and all of the ministries of Central. You know, we've got a lot, as I'm sure you see, going on. It's in the bulletin and on our website. And we want to make sure that you know that you're a part of this congregation And if you'd like to make it official and join our church, please talk to one of the clergy after the service or call us this week and we'll be glad to answer your questions and talk you through um, the process. But we want to make sure that everyone feels invited to join our Christian community. 
And again, welcome. The Old Testament reading today comes from the book Joel, chapter 2, verses 23 through 32. Children of Zion, rejoice and be glad in the Lord your God, because he will give you the early rain as a sign of righteousness. He will pour down abundant rain for you, the early and late rain as before. The threshing floors will be full of grain, the vats will overflow with new wine and fresh oil. I will repay you for the years that the cutting locusts and the swarming locusts and the hoping locusts and the devouring locusts have eaten. My great army, which I sent against you, you will eat abundantly and be satisfied, and you will praise the name of the Lord, your God, who has done wonders for you. And my people will never again be put to shame. You will know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, no other exist. Never again will my people be put to shame. After that, I will pour out my spirit upon everyone. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour, I will also pour out my spirit on the female and female slaves. I will give gifts. I will give signs in the heavens, on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. But everyone who calls on the Lord's name will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be security as the Lord has promised. And in Jerusalem the Lord will summon those who survive. The word of the Lord thanks to be God be to God.
Our epistle lesson today is from 2 Timothy. I'm going to be reading um, from the fourth chapter and verses 6 through 8 and then 16 through 18. Hear now the word of the Lord. As for me, I am already being poured out as a libation, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. From now on, there is reserved reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood by me and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and save me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And in response, our act of praise comes from Psalm 119. You will find it in your hymnal in selection 840. We'll read the first response. We'll sing that response. And if you will stand as you are able and join me. are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep God's testimony, who seek God in their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in God's ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous ordinances. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Turn my eyes from looking at vanities, and give me life in your ways. Turn away the reproach which I dread. 
for your ordinances are good. Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for my hope is in your ordinances. I will keep your law and I shall walk at liberty, for I have sought your precepts. For I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. Your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. The unfolding of your words gives life. It imparts understanding to the simple. With open mouth I pant, because I long for your commandments. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for you are just to those who love your name. Keep steady my steps according to your promise and let no iniquity get dominion over me. Redeem me from human oppression, that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant, and teach me your statutes. My eyes shed streams of tears, because your law is not kept. Righteous are you, O Lord, and right are your judgments. You have appointed your testimonies in righteousness and in all faithfulness. My zeal consumes me because my foes forget your words. Your promise is well tried, and your servant loves it. I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Your Trouble and anguish have come upon me, but your commandments are my delight. Your testimonies are righteous forever. Give me understanding that I may live. you to be seated and our children can come forward for children's time.
Thank you. Make sure everybody sits in the right place now. Okay. Just check. Thank you. Thank you, man. Okay, friends. Y'all doing okay today? Who somebody said yes, ma'am? I'm just joking. I know I'm wearing a black dress, but did y'all have fun at Trunk or Treat? Was some of y'all they were at Trunk or Treat here at church last week? That was you went yesterday, but it was fun, I bet, wasn't it? It's a fun time of year. I just wanted to say that. I'll think it's a fun time of year. But, you know, in a little bit, with the older folks, I'm going to tell, I shouldn't say older folks, the folks that aren't in children's church, um, I'm going to tell a story from the Bible about a man named Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus, that's not, that was his name, he can't help it. Zacchaeus, you know what, Zacchaeus was a grown man when the story that we're going to read happened. But people kind of picked on him. He was, a little, he was shorter than everybody else, and people picked on him for being short. And he had a job that people didn't like that he had, and they thought that he, he, because of his job, that made him bad. And they picked on him, and, and nobody liked him, and nobody wanted him around. Nobody would hang out with him or be his friend. And one day... This man, Zacchaeus, he lived in a town called Jericho. And Jesus came to that town. And guess who Jesus went and found? Zacchaeus. He didn't go find the, 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 the kid, that, the, the people that everybody liked, or the people with the fancy jobs, or the important, important jobs. He went and he found Zacchaeus. And he said, Zacchaeus climbed up a tree so he could see Jesus better. And he said, Zacchaeus, you come down out of that tree because I'm going to come eat at your house today. And that's what happened. And that reminds me of something that we all need to remember. That we need, that this, there might be, maybe there's a kid that you know that's in your class or in your neighborhood or at your school that people maybe aren't real nice to. Maybe people kind of pick on him or pick on her. Okay. And, and, but, that's, but it reminds us that Jesus went, he went and found that person that everybody picked on and said, you're special because you're a child of God and I'm, so I'm going to be nice to you. But that maybe means we ought to be nice to that other kid too. Don't you think? Okay. Well, let's pray together. Dear Jesus, help us be nice to people. Like you want us to be nice to people. Amen. All right. Y'all can go with Miss Jenny to Children's Church if you want.
Please be seated. Our gospel lesson this morning is from the gospel according to Luke, the 19th chapter, verses 1 through 10. Hear now the word of God, the he being referred to here as Jesus. He entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not, because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He's gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defaulted, defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay it back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today we're continuing in this series of sermons we've been in through, uh, through the fall called What Followers of Jesus Do, where week by week we take a look at our mission statement that is central, that we are We follow Jesus by loving God and loving our neighbors, and we try to flesh that out a little bit and ask ourselves, what do we actually, though, do when we follow? And today, we remind ourselves that followers of Jesus look for Jesus. In order for the power, though, of this story we hear from the Gospel of Luke to sink in, I think it's important for us to take a moment and think about Zacchaeus who Zacchaeus was, what Zacchaeus represented. He was a tax collector. On top of that, we're told he was a chief tax collector. Now, Jericho at the time of Jesus and through much of ancient history was an important commercial crossroads. It's an oasis in the middle of the Judean desert. So if you're traveling uh, from east to west or west to east in that part of the country, between the the area to the east of that and the Mediterranean. Basically, you either had to go through Jericho in the south or another city further north. So Jericho was a commercial center, an important commercial center, which meant that there was a lot of revenue to be raised. And Zacchaeus, as the chief tax collector, seems to have probably been the person in charge of all the revenue raised not only from trade passing through Jericho, but also from the citizens of the area itself. And we're told he was rich, which meant he was good at his job of raising money, but it also meant he was a tad bit unpopular with anybody who'd ever met him. Adding to this was the way that the Romans farmed out their taxes. The Roman Empire, which was the occupying and conquering force of this part of the world during the life of Jesus. Jesus and all his disciples lived under Roman domination, as did their neighbors. And the Roman system of taxes was not to have a bureaucracy 
that raised revenue from the populace in accord with what it, the property that it owned or the level of its income. Rather, the tax collectors were more like predatory entrepreneurs who would bid on the revenue, bid on a geographical area, and they would have a quota that, they were, that the Romans gave them they had to raise. And any profit they raised above that quota was theirs to keep. So if Zacchaeus was a rich tax collector, that means he was a dishonest member of a dishonest system. If he was the chief tax collector, that meant that he was in charge of all those other dishonest tax collectors taking a piece of what they brought in. All that's to say, when we read in the Gospels time and again, and it talks about Jesus associating with sinners and tax collectors, the, the people of that place and time uh, had such a, a justifiably low opinion of tax collectors that they had their own status within the category of sinner. Zacchaeus would not have been a popular man. To boot, if you butt against the system, especially in a town with the prominence that Jericho would have had, it would have had a few Roman centurions at his disposal to go and force his will, probably without benefit of anything like warrants or law courts. This is who Zacchaeus was. Yet, when he finds that Jesus will be passing through Jericho, Zacchaeus wants to go see this man he's heard of. And Luke presents us an almost comical image of a man whose stature does not allow him to see over the crowd, so he goes and climbs a tree. And we maybe you learned the children's song. In my mind, it's firmly set because of the children's song what happened. Jesus walked to the foot of the tree and looked up and said, Zacchaeus, you come down. I'm going to be at your house today. That's what I have to do. I come to the idea, and, and I can imagine what all those people in Jericho that day must have thought as they saw Jesus talking to Zacchaeus of all the people in town who he would pick to entertain him in his home. Why this man that we all despise? But there's something important to note here. Zacchaeus was looking for Jesus. And Jesus was looking for Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus put himself in an obvious place, a grown man up a tree, and Jesus went to get him. They were mutually looking for one another. And what's important for us to note is that in this interchange, Zacchaeus was changed. Jesus says that salvation has come to Zacchaeus in his house, but we also see Zacchaeus repenting of the evil he did, promising to repay plus more all those he defrauded, promising not only to restore, but compensate over and above the amount of harm those whom he had wronged. Jesus looked for Zacchaeus, he says, because this too is a son of Abraham. Another way to say this man is God's child 
Jesus went looking for Zacchaeus because Zacchaeus was one of his people. Zacchaeus sought Jesus because he was made for relationship with Jesus, whether he had the language to articulate it or not, just as each one of us and any human being you'll ever meet is also made for relationship with Jesus and is also a child of God. We work the same way. Jesus seeks us, and we instinctively seek something more, and that something is Jesus. Followers of Jesus look for Jesus. I wonder if our relationship with Jesus can be like staring at Jesus from the top of a tree. Jesus may be looking for you, but are you doing the things that we do to be found? Are the eyes of your heart open? Zacchaeus was looking for Jesus, make no mistake, but Zacchaeus did the things that made him know he was found. We too, friends, can do things that aren't magic but that open us to the power and presence of Jesus with us and like Zacchaeus, allow us to be changed. We can pray. Do you pray? Prayer is not magic. But in prayer, we make ourselves present to the God who's always with us, to Jesus who's always there. But in prayer, it's like climbing the tree so that we can get above and beyond the distractions and see Jesus with us and hear His Word to us. Do you read your Bibles? We say every Sunday after we read the Scripture lessons that it is the Word of God for us. But what good is the Word of God for you if you don't read it? Another way that we can climb a tree, as it were, to get enough space and distance from the distractions to hear what God might be saying to us. Do we serve God through Christian service in the church, in the community, in the world? Do we find ways to put our hands to our, feet, our faith and serve in Jesus' name? In so doing, we get outside of our own concerns, our own worries, and are able to bring God's goodness to bear on the lives of others. Do we worship? Do we gather with our sisters and brothers in Christ where there is no substitute for gathering with the people of God? One analogy I've, I've heard, and I did not make this up, so I want to be very clear about that. Well, there's an old story about a husband and wife who every Sunday morning would uh, sort of bicker with one another about whether to go to church, go to worship that morning. And the husband would say, I just, you know, the, the pastor's sermons aren't always that great. and I just don't get anything out of it. I'm only picking on the pastors this morning. I'm not picking on anybody else. Because nobody can, you know, Meg can get mad at me, but that would be it. But I just don't get much out of it. And the bride, the, the woman said, well, what, do you remember what we had for supper last night? He goes, oh, yes, we had the most delicious grilled steaks. They were delicious. 
say, well, what did we have a week ago Tuesday? I have no idea what we had a week ago Tuesday. She said, you know, some of the meals you enjoy more than others, but they all nourish you and feed you and get you what you need to get through your day and do what you need to do at work, at home, all the areas of your life. Some of the meals are more memorable than others. Some you may enjoy more than others, but you need them all. All of these things I've discussed, but especially worship, are like that. Some of us indeed have health concerns that make it a challenge for us to gather in groups. But over these last years, a lot of us have gotten out of the habit of gathering for worship. And it's time to come back and take our role in the community of faith. We need to pray. We need to read our Bibles. We need to serve one another in the name of Jesus. And we need to gather with our brothers and sisters in Christ and worship in Christ's name. In other words, we need to do the things that help us seek Jesus. To draw out the analogy, Jesus is already standing at the foot of the tree. All that's left for us to do is get the distance to see him there, to get the ability to recognize that Jesus has found us and is calling us not only to be in relationship with him, but to grow in relationship with him. Some years ago, I was involved in a leadership program where we did this group exercise. They put us in a a, a group of five people in a little conference room. And we had to go through a scenario in which we were hypothetically stranded with a broken down car somewhere in the Canadian Rockies. It was winter. The temperature was 30 below zero. What were we going to do to survive in a back remote area? And we had a list of things that we had with us that we'd already had in the broken down vehicle. And what should we do? And the idea was, as a group, we were supposed to, and maybe you've been in this sort of thing where they videotape you without knowing you, you videotape, and then you watch how you all interact. And turns out, I thought I knew a lot. I said, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to blah, 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 blah. You know, I've been playing outside ever since I was a little kid. And uh, this is what we're going to do. And what I learned from the process is that I didn't interact with my brothers and sisters so well. And also, if we'd followed my course of action, we'd have all died. Because I said and was insistent that we needed to figure out a way to walk out. Walk out of this remote backcountry area. And the experts all say to stay put. Do the things you need to survive while you're staying put and wait for the searchers who will inevitably come to find you, to find you. That if you're walking around, you're placing yourself potentially in greater harm, and you're walking away from the people who can find you. I learned things like it was best to light a fire at night. That when we were looking at the items to keep and discard, I needed to keep the whistle. I I got that one right, by the way. To signal rescuers and a mirror to signal search parties. If you stay put, you can spell out things in the snow or in a clear area with rocks. Words like help. 
basically to stay put, find ways to stay safe and sheltered and hydrated so that you can aid in your own rescue when the time comes. But basically it means doing all the things to no help when help got there. And again, I'm reminded, I was told immediately when our leadership coach came back into the room, reminded us that Thomas's way would have led to disaster. We can draw that idea out when it comes to things of faith. Friends, Jesus has found you. On the cross, he died your death. In the grippy grave, he rose to give you victory over death. He has claimed you as his own. We've already been found. But what we need to do is get the perspective to do those things that help us see it and respond. Followers of Jesus, look for Jesus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And if you will bow your heads, I will pray for us. Lord of love, fix our sights on you, O God. Help us to be so focused on our calling and mission that concerns and anxieties of this world are put in perspective for us. Free us for joyful obedience. Lord, we give you thanks that we have an opportunity to participate in the election process coming up. And we ask that you fill us with a sense of responsibility to choose our leaders wisely. We pray that those chosen to lead will do so with their best intentions and knowledge, that they will surround themselves with wise and good advisors, and that they will hold themselves accountable, and that others will too. We pray for our country, O oh God, that you will continue to help us grow with our and into our ideals, especially those of opportunity and of justice. God, today we lift up those that we love and those that we do not know to your care. We remember that trust in you is all that is truly necessary. So in faith, we ask for relief from suffering for those who are grieving for those who are sick in body or mind. And we give thanks for all who have chosen to be servants to others, including those who teach and those who serve as first responders, for those who protect and those who lead. Give them protection and wisdom, unending compassion and determination, and help us remember to be grateful to them and show our appreciation. God, we are grateful for our children and our youth. We ask that you guide us to be the people in whom they can see the evidence of your love. We ask that you guide us to model the behavior of Jesus so that we may be good examples to them. And so again, we ask 
that you help us pay attention and deliberately seek Jesus. In your name we pray all of these things. Amen. And now, in this time, as we intentionally respond to God's great love, I'll invite our ushers to come forward for our offering.
And now, Lord, as we offer our gifts and ourselves to your service, we ask your blessings upon them. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Friends, leave this place and be followers of Jesus who seek Jesus. Now may the love of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you forevermore. Amen.